0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss, and welcome to this week's edition of On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. I was just telling our guest today that on average, 150,000 people will listen to this show over the next three months. That's a nice number. This show is presented by Embassy National Bank. Embassy National Bank is a nationally chartered financial institution, and our deposits are insured by the FDIC. On this show, uh, we discuss topics designed to help small business succeed. Because at Embassy National Bank, we're proud of how we help small business, and we believe it's our role to do that. I'm Joe Moss, as I said, your host and the president at Embassy, and uh, we welcome you to the Subaru of Gwinnett studio. Today, we're going to go over on the not-for-profit side, and we're going to interview uh, Dan Atkins, who is the founder and the coach of Strategistics. Dan?
0: Good afternoon, and thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me here.
1: And. um, uh Dan's got a wealth of experience and opportunity and uh, experience not only in not-for-profits, but over on the profit side and has done a lot of different things. But I guess the thing you're working on the most now is fundraising and capital campaigns.
0: Well, most of what I'm doing actually is, is helping uh, nonprofits prepare to do major capital campaigns, not doing the capital ca- campaigns themselves and also to look at other fundraising opportunities and maximizing what they can do as opposed to tearing into a capital campaign because of desperation, getting a little money, but, but not really maximizing it. That's
1: that's a, that's a good point. Um, and we'll follow up on that, but you've also done some of this work over on the private side as well, correct?
0: I have some. And,
1: uh, tell us m- about your background. My background
0: is a little unique. So, uh, Well, I started out as a musician, ended up getting my MBA, went into the corporate world, was not very happy. I became an actor. I moved to New York. I was on a soap opera. I did a lot of work in-
1: Okay, what soap opera? uh,
0: Another world. Really? Uh, I did not have a contract role, unfortunately, but I had a recurring role. And what ended up happening was I realized that my career wasn't that of Harrison Ford's, which was tremendously disappointing. And I had to make a living in some way. Or Bruce. Or or Bruce, (laughs) uh, or any number of others we can list i uh ended up making the bulk of my living doing uh costume supervision for major motion pictures wow so i did about 40 features uh with a wide variety of people biggest names well harrison ford brad pitt robert de niro what kind of movies what movies um i started with malcolm x i did as good as it gets i did extreme measures with hugh grant i did um uh i also did um mickey blue eyes with hugh grant did uh, Bronxdale with De Niro and Chaz Palminteri, and uh, you know, I mean, it's a long list. And the list. costume business is
1: huge, isn't it?
0: Well, it's a it's an integral part of yeah what is. they do. And quite honestly, I didn't even know that job existed when I moved. Did to you Manhattan. design or just coordinate? No no no, 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 just oh, coordinate. They're not foolish enough to let me design. <laughs> um, no, I just uh, put clothes on people and made sure they were re- wearing the right things at the right times and doing the right things with them at the right times and. Uh, it's, it's a far more intricate job than one would imagine, but, uh, in essence, you're putting clothes on folks and, uh, trying and then to from negotiate. There,
1: and then from there,
0: uh, I had some songs kicking around in Nashville and I moved to Nashville and, and had a few things that were looked at. Couldn't get over the hump there. Went back into the business world, uh, with, uh, a uh, partnership that I had and, um, uh, marketing consultancy and that was. Went for a number of years and then uh, I moved away and, and went to Bloomington, Indiana, started my own consultancy, which went until about 2008 and nine, when all my clients said, we love you, babe, see you later, which was actually not a bad thing. I ended up moving to Atlanta and uh, starting uh, in six years ago um, in 2010, I became a professional fundraiser and I had done some fundraising in my many marketing activities earlier. But I started doing strictly capital campaigns in various communities, and those were for economic development, downtown revitalization, arts uh, of any nature, and uh, those sorts of things. And I found that there was a, a, a lack of understanding by the nonprofit organizations with whom I was working that they really didn't understand how to do a capital campaign. They were always struggling to raise money. I I had a few who did understand, and we did very well with those campaigns, but many of them didn't understand. The boards didn't have an idea of how you go about doing that. They think you hire somebody and say, go do it. And that's a wonderful idea. However, it's not a really functional idea. What is required of of, uh, the boards and the staff of nonprofits and volunteers is actually participation because if i go in as a professional fundraiser nobody in that community knows me why would they talk to me and why would they give me a nickel but they know somebody on the board or they know one of the volunteers or they know somebody else it's interesting
1: staff. because i would think board members of some of these not for profits
0: they raise money all the time in their in their own companies they do but for some reason they view it in a different uh, with a different eye i'm not sure why i are you know what the psychology of that is and i'm thankful i don't know that but i do notice that they come in and suddenly well we're a nonprofit. let's get a grant and many of them are struggling for money and and realize a need to make money but they haven't done the groundwork uh they haven't prepared to do that they haven't gone out and made the connections they haven't uh, they don't know how to put a campaign together they don't realize that their effort is crucial for the success of the campaign this sounds Just like trying to raise money for a for-profit company, it's it's a little different because you're usually giving something more tangible back. I've raised money for companies as well, and even in entertainment, I produced a film and I produced theater, and you know people expect to get a return on that investment that is tangible. Mm -hmm. With a nonprofit, the return is may or may not be tangible, and it may or may not be direct. So certainly a bank would benefit from an economic development scenario in their community because it's going to bring more people into the mm-hmm. the community who may bank with your bank. Uh, same thing with insurance, same thing with utilities, et cetera. And what they don't realize is now somebody may have a job and they're able to buy clothes and food and cars and homes and Things that uh, before that job came along, they wouldn't be able to afford.
1: And you've got to convey that message.
0: That That is correct. Right. And the nonprofit has to convey that message really right. more importantly. And not just during a campaign. They have to convey that message for the life of the nonprofit. Well, let's
1: talk about the whole not-for-profit industry because I think a lot of us think not-for-profit, what do they need money for? But, I mean, it's an economic machine just like any other company, isn't it?
0: Well, it is. And and they offer services. You know, you might put the, the label of products on it that are beneficial, whether it's a food pantry that's offering food and perhaps clothing to people who are in need or whether it's an economic development uh, mechanism. It all takes money. To make that happen, uh, food doesn't grow on trees. Well, it does actually. However, in this case, it's not trees or that they that are pickable. or wherever. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not pickable trees. But uh, so they need uh, they need participation with people saying, "Oh, here's here's a case of water. Here's a a case of soup. Here's whatever it may be." But they also need money to to try and uh, let people know that they're there and to run a facility. Uh, you can't if you have uh, food that is perishable, you've got to have some place to put it. Um, If you're cooking for people, you have to have a way to cook it. Yeah. And a lot of volunteers come in and help. And that is the lifeblood as well. Uh, The volunteering is so crucial, but without the money, they're not able to pay their electric bill. They're not able to uh, accommodate people in the way that that is necessary. And the needs are everywhere, Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of what it it may be. And Do you of, have
1: any numbers on how many not-for-profits that are out there, or how large this industry is?
0: I believe that there are two and a half million nonprofits in the United oh, wow. States.
1: Oh, Okay. How, so are those non-religious not-for-profits, or it's that- a combination? Okay. I,
0: I don't. I don't have uh, a separation of faith-based versus not. But and there are some that you hear about all the time. Uh, you know, in October, the uh, Walk for Alzheimer's is coming up. And everybody has been touched pretty much in our society by, by Alzheimer's, whether they're a parent, a brother, sister, whatever, uh, in that regard. So that's, that's one that has become familiar and grown. Cancer is another one, the American Cancer Society. We helped and last year Susan with the diabetes. diabetes. and uh, that's a huge issue right now. Any number of large organizations like that who are not my client base. There are what people don't always realize is that there are a huge number of lesser known nonprofits. More that, targeted, not for profits. They, they are more tar- targeted, although many of the small, uh, the large ones started out as lesser sure. knowns also and, and grew. Um, but sometimes it's just they're, they're not necessarily national at this point. They're local. They're growing, but they've found a need. And nonprofits have generally been started from passion. Someone has a passion about something, their child has autism, their, their brother died of cancer, whatever it, it, it may be, there is a passion for them to make this happen. And they start it and then begin to try and engage others. Sometimes they view it as a more business scenario because they realize that they need funding. Mm-hmm. And when they realize that and come from a business perspective, the funding is uh more uh possible mm-hmm. but uh, sometimes it's just so passionate that it, that's all it's about and it's, we've got to do this this and this and they forget that there is funding needed and they don't know how to go get it because they're overwhelmed by their passion basically now
1: when you when you're called in and you say dan help us you have a sense probably of a group that you'll be successful with or a group that you won't be successful with? And what are some of those success factors that you kind of look for before you start your efforts within the not-for-profit?
0: Well, one of the things, I I have an intake form so that I have an idea of what they're trying to do, uh, where they want to be, what they've done thus far in terms of uh, preparation for fundraising, what they do as fundraising now. What, what they've thought about doing why it's been good bad or indifferent um, so I, I number one for me is I'm like I said you know the American Cancer Society is not going to hire me they don't need me right they have a, a well-run organization that does, Red Cross they're doesn't. not yeah they're, they don't need me but I look at at uh, nonprofits that are probably, somewhere between around $500,000, uh, budget in their budget up to maybe $5 million. And I can help many of them. What I look for is an understanding of what is needed. If they have some understanding, I look for the passion in the organization because what, uh, if they don't have passion, then you might as well forget it to begin with. Right. Um, and I look for what kind of understanding they have with fundraising and the things that they've already done before and what size their staff is. A one-person staff is very, very difficult because they're you know, they're doing everything, including cleaning the toilets. Right. And it's uh, a, a very uh, difficult position in which to be and very difficult to, to move forward from that. Um, but you have to start somewhere, and I'm happy to, to lend a hand if I can. Have so, you
1: started with just one person? Have you helped a, a one person or maybe five person not for profit? Oh yeah, okay, oh absolutely. I that don't. In fact, those may actually be a lot more fun than maybe some of the larger ones. Rewarding, I guess.
0: They're rewarding if they're able to, if they're able to move forward. Sometimes it's frustrating because it, it's a very difficult conundrum to have this one person who's. Leading the parade, but without a lot of support. Yeah, um, that is that's just a as with any business, it's just a very difficult situation in which to be. So, I try with many of those; they're not really going to be able to afford me and 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 afford my fees. But I try to work with them and uh, give them some ideas of what I might do or might suggest to do to help them uh, become a little larger and ways in which to go about it. Uh, there are a lot of uh, ideas that I come to the table with, which is why people would hire me to help move forward. For some reason, a lot of the people in nonprofits don't think of those ideas. They their it's mind not their is job a to raise
1: money. Their job is well, to kind of help and spend money. Actually,
0: if you're the executive director, it's of a your nonprofit, job to raise your job. Right. <laughs> But a lot of them can't do that because they're so busy doing administrative Correct. and trying Correct. to trying to get to do what the organization is there for Correct. and accomplish the mission. Right. So that's that's true.
1: Yeah. Tell uh, from a just a structure standpoint, we were talking before the show. I know you're not an expert on this, but there are really two different kinds of not-for-profits. There's a five hundred one c three and a 501
0: C six. There are probably many others, but those are two that I'm familiar with. Those are the with. big
1: ones. And the C three allows, I think we think we believe a deduction.
0: In, in most cases, a 501 C three is a charitable deduction. And you can take that off top of your taxes. If you're an individual or a corporation, I'm not a CPA. So ask your CPA. Uh, don't take it from me. But in most cases, uh, I've seen that uh, to be true with a 501 C six, they have a different set of uh, regulations and a different set of rules. They are, can be a lobbying organization as well as doing, uh, the, the nonprofit, uh, missions that they do. So their, their rules are structured different. So my advice is always with any organization that you're giving money to talk to your CPA. Right. And, um, yeah,
1: and find out what kind of how they're structured and and that type of
0: thing. And what what benefit, if any, in in a tax scenario that might give you, and talk to them about what benefit they give you. The organization gives you.
1: Have you? Um, well, you listen, you're. Um, we got to stop here for a second. You're listening to Dan Atkins, and uh, he is the founder and head of str. Strate- Strategic.
0: Strategistics. I'm going to help you out there.
1: Strategistics. I had. I've got a accent where it is strategistics and um he he helps a lot of not-for-profits with with uh fundraising and uh different uh coaching strategies so let's talk about the work you've done over on the on well let's talk about this for a second um there are a lot of different technology platforms out there um to help people raise money Mm mm-hmm Talk about what you do versus what those are, how you be, uh, the effectiveness, all those kinds of things.
0: Well, because of the type of uh, scenarios in which I find myself with the organizations, uh, we're not doing crowdfunding or anything like that. Uh, I, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's not uh, where I belong. And if we do that, um, uh, when I was a professional fundraiser, if we did something like that, we would usually get on the phones and call people rather than using. A social media uh, idea. And part of that is because uh, I find fundraising to be a little bit old school. If uh, somebody walks walks up to me and asks me for $5, it's different than somebody emailing me and saying, hey, send me five bucks. Right. Um, I'm going to have a much better response if it's face-to-face. If I'm asking people for thousands of dollars, or in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm certainly face to face. That is, it better be face to face, or you're probably not. That's with the board chairman and in there with you and all that other. It it would be with someone from the organization who has a relationship with that individual. And that's the best approach and the better the relationship. And you want that individual from the organization to say, you know, uh, Jack, my company believes in this. I believe in this. And I just want you to listen to what they have to say. That's all they need to do. But once they do that, then then uh, the decision is up to their their friends. Yeah,
1: because we mentioned, um, you know, I I said that sometimes a third party sale is better, but you you corrected me, and and um, they still have to get involved in that marketing or sales effort.
0: They absolutely. I mean, they are the the lifeblood of the organization. If if you bring uh, somebody who is a professional at fundraising into your organization, they need your help at every step of the way, and because they are an outsider, so you're the one who is going to utilize this money, and the people who are writing the uh, pledges and or checks are the people who want to know who's using it. Uh, in this era, people want accountability, and that's, that may have been true forever, I don't know, but I know in this era, accountability is crucial, which is why it's imperative for a, a nonprofit to have a strategy have goals that, that hold them accountable and uh, explain to their investors, and I say investors, not donors. Uh, to me, a donor is a guy you meet on the street and you say, I need a sandwich, and he gives you five bucks and says, go buy a sandwich, and that's that's the only time you see him. These people are investing. Investing in what you do and investing in their community, uh, whatever that target community is. It doesn't mean necessarily a city. It could be a state. It could be national. But in that target community, and they're investing so that you will stick to your mission and have accountable goals that you've presented to them. Move your organization and the community forward. So um, those things are crucial, and that's oftentimes what doesn't happen. Uh, that's that's a part of the preparation.
1: I think it's interesting because what you're describing a not-for-profit the way a not-for-profit should be
0: is to structure themselves like a well-oiled machine. Well, you know, people want to climb onto successful wagons. Uh, they, they don't really want to be in a situation where somebody's begging for lunch and they say, look, you know, we are desperate and we need your money. You're, you're a banker. If I walked into you and said, look, I, I just lost my house, I lost my job, they're taking my truck away. Uh, I'm getting divorced, and I'm, oh, let me lend I, you some money. I, I need fifty grand. <laughs> Please, <laughs> would you write me a check? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's really somewhat of a disconnect sometimes with nonprofits. They they do great work, and they're passionate about it. So they want everybody else to be passionate about it and think that. They should just write them a check, but build from a position of strength. Absolutely, and they have a position of strength because they do great work. Right, right. So they just need to get that word out and and come from a, a place where they can also be accountable. Well,
1: a lot of people in this world are in positions where they have to ask for money. I think you're giving some good tips for anybody, someone who is presenting to a bank, a bank who is presenting to an investor, and yes, we have them too. Let's walk down kind of start at the top and, and walk down so okay. you've got to create a, a strategy a mission you've got to show that you're well structured you're focused uh, that you've got the ability to fulfill your plan you've got passion that word is comes out a
0: lot I have I have a formula that I think I've created but it's probably not anything that's uh, unique in the world I'm sure people have thought of this before but I think I have a formula called P. Plus S plus A equals E, and P is passion, S is strategy, A is action, and E is engagement. So, if you have the passion and create a strategy, you're you're two thirds of the way there to to get engagement. If you take action on that strategy, you will have successes, and that is what engages people, and that engages presidents of banks, and it engages uh, the the local utilities and it and engages others who say who get up and take notice and they see results and say wow you know this is happening and you tell them about the results too if you have two of those three things if you have passion and a strategy but take no action it's worthless if you have passion and action if you don't have a strategy your actions are all over the place and they're really not targeted so you waste a lot of effort and a lot of time and money but when you do all three, you will get engagement. And that's, that's kind of one of the things that I work with uh, nonprofits on. Well, I think everybody needs to listen to that. I, I think it's uh, applicable to business. I think it's uh, applicable to my life, frankly. Um, and uh, if I don't know where I'm going, it's kind of hard to get there.
1: Have you done work for, uh, for the private sector? Tons. Yeah. Talk about some of your examples. Well, I
0: had a marketing consultancy uh, some years ago, and I I had um, Cook Medical, which is the largest privately held medical device company in the world, was one of my clients. Osborne Hesse Logistics, which is a very sizable third-party logistics company. Oralex Acoustics, which is the market leader in acoustical product. Actually, that's probably Oralex on your wall here, Mm -hmm. uh, because they do uh, sound control uh, products. and. I did a lot of marketing efforts for them, both from strategic and project marketing. My background is so varied, and I come from sometimes a really wacky place with my ideas. But That's okay. Well, they're all based on on the business goal. It's not just, wow, that would be fun. That's creative. Let's do that. It's more, here's, here's an idea that's really off the wall, but here's why it will accomplish the goal. And that's what I used to look at, and I was able to... Uh, uh, negotiate a business until the, the crash in 2008 and 9, at which point things kind of uh, went belly up on me. But I had a great time and had great clients. It was very enjoyable. And I kind of look at the nonprofits in the same way. Are the, Were the not-for-profits, are they the first thing to go in a recession, the
1: ones that struggle the most?
0: Well, I think, yeah, I think they're, they're the ones, I don't know if they're the first to go, but boy, do they have trouble because bad economic times means people aren't giving. And uh, when, when they're laying people off, they're certainly not going to be doling out money to the outside in the same way. So unless the, the chairman of the board or the CEO is passionate about some particular thing because their son or daughter has, has an issue that uh, coincides or whatever it may be in that regard, you know the money dries up real fast. And, uh, and also, because of those things, the government isn't taking in the same kind of taxes, so the grants begin to dry up, foundations as well.
1: Yeah, and um, in a lot of cases, a not-for-profit doesn't have a sustainable revenue base, so they're, every
0: year they have to raise the money required to keep themselves going. And that's why developing a base for a capital campaign is so crucial, because a capital campaign commits people— It's not a contract, so it doesn't commit them in that way, but they give their word to you to fund a certain amount of money for a period of years. Usually in this era, they do five years. And so you don't have to go knocking on their door every year. You know what your budget is going to be. You can plan out your expenses and plan out your budget. Mm -hmm. And it makes life so much simpler because you're not always struggling trying to figure out, can we afford this? Can we afford that? Now, that doesn't mean that the organization doesn't still need sponsorships of specific events, uh, events that they may do, and, and they'll come and ask for sponsorships. But oftentimes, those are uh, far easier to get if somebody's already invested in what you're doing because they understand the benefit of, of giving that money.
1: And, and I think a lot you mentioned um, accountability, Accountability is so important in an environment like that because even though someone's committed to give for five years, they've got to start seeing where their money's going, You know what, what the uh, results of their money is, good books and records, budgeting, planning, all those things.
0: Well, the, the successful organizations that I've worked with uh, have an email list, they have quarterly updates, they have an annual meeting of their investors where they give themselves a report card and say, this year we, were, we got an A-plus here, but we got a, a B-minus here. And that's something we're really going to focus on in the next year because we've got to get those levels up. And they will analyze it in that way for their investors so the investors know what they're doing and know where their money's going and know that these successes are happening. And also, if they are really invested and they're uh, participatory investors – they're going to look at that and say, you know what, I might be able to help you in this area or that area. If you have a construction company that has uh, put money into a campaign, you know, they may be able to help you build that building that you've been trying to do. They may be able to get the steel for free or mm-hmm. or something of that nature. And, and you know, the private sector over the last um, however many years to some degree has gotten a bum rap because people look at these huge corporations and say, well, they're just greedy money-making corporations but the truth of the matter is they contribute a lot they support the nonprofits, and they do contribute a lot and they do it not only uh for publicity which which they get or they should get they should get plenty of thank yous but they do it because they believe in it and they they want to help so they want to help even if they have uh an investment an ongoing investment they want you to be able to build a bridge or to do whatever uh you're trying to accomplish and help your mission.
1: I mean, money just doesn't stay in mattresses. <laughs> that, that's the whole thing that it's hard to get well, across. Well, it does not my people. house.
0: But,
1: but, <laughs> it's uh, hard to get across to some people. Money continues to move and it continues to flow and it just is never stays stagnant.
0: And uh, and that is, you know, if you listen to NPR or, or public television, they thank uh, their investors and say this program was made available by whomever. And usually it's a major corporation because uh, you and I probably don't have the pocket change to make that happen.
1: And I, I, um, what you're saying though that the not-for-profit, the good ones do, is something that every company ought to do.
0: I don't disagree, and they'd be that'll put I'd be progress happy to help reports out to
1: customers and who their investors and, you know, if, if if I mean, it's it's really more of a an ongoing communication of, hey, here's here where we are, here's where we are and here's what we're doing and here's how we are providing value.
0: Well, interestingly, when I had my, uh, my marketing consultancy some years back, and this was really before the internet was firing off in the way it is now, um, I used to tell a lot of my small businesses, particularly, I'd say, look, you, know, you have an opportunity to, to do a lot of marketing without spending any money. It will cost you some time. But set up a blog, and talk about the things that are going on. Re, uh, you know, re, uh, print some things that and credit them. But that other people have said about your market and your industry, and it will engage people that are outside of your market in some cases, and in other cases it'll inform those that are in your market. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think communication is a huge piece of what any business should do. So. Um, uh, that to me is crucial, and it's also what I talk to the nonprofits about.
1: Uh, you're listening to On the Money, and this is Dan Atkins. He is, he is the founder and coach of. I've got to get this name right. Need I, some I gotta, help? I, gotta, I gotta get it This name right.
0: Strategic. No. no. Emphasis on the G, strategistics. Strategistics. Okay. But, you know, I'll tell you, Joe, I've been called so much worse that you can say strategy sticks, you can say whatever well, you want. Like. Well, you're
1: looking at a guy that can't really say the word, I have trouble saying the word sp- specific.
0: Specific? Okay. Uh, no, is it usually yeah. Pacific? Right, specific? sure. Right, right.
1: So, um, anyway. Well, some words
0: don't just roll out, out no, of your mouth. So they um, don't.
1: They don't. But... Uh, It certainly is a good way for someone to ask you about your company, isn't it?
0: It is. It's a good conversation starter when they look and say, how do you pronounce that? Um, Then I can not only talk about the pronunciation and strategistics, but the creation of the name was because I work with nonprofits on strategies and uh, not just an overall strategy, but strategies on everything they do. Communication strategies, strategies on walking in the door and talking to an individual. Who's the best person? to talk to that individual who has the best relationship and those things are important when you're raising money.
1: Well, the, the one thing that, uh, we're kind of getting here toward the end, but mm-hmm. the one thing that, uh, you, the word you keep saying comes up a lot in this studio and that's uh, passion. Um, and for, uh, we, we have shows on how to, on, on sales strategies and we have shows on, uh, what makes for good
0: companies and leadership and all that stuff. And, that
1: word passion always seems to come up
0: a lot. Well, if you're passionate, people hear it and, and your enthusiasm engages them. That's just, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing how you can influence people just with the passion that you have about something. And I'm passionate about doing what I'm doing because I saw so many situations where more money could have been raised for an organization, but the groundwork had not been laid properly and as a result they lost money. Uh, it's not a measurable loss so much as it is. I know that we had five hundred thousand or a million dollars more that we could have gotten, but it, it wasn't going to happen because of that lack of preparation so
1: thoughts I did want to ask you oh, uh, and that is every you said everybody's passionate about a certain, not-for-profit, and that's usually how these things get started or a business. There's a mm-hmm. passion about What are you passionate for?
0: Man, my passions are extreme. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't have gone into the entertainment business if I wasn't passionate about a lot of that, and I, I love film and music and, and uh, theater. I, I'm extremely passionate about that. And there's a lot of theater in the Atlanta area that's that people ought to go out and see. And there's a lot of
1: not-for-profits that are in the that are theaters. Well,
0: and most of them, and uh, and they they look for uh, season ticket holders. So, uh, and I support a number of theaters here in the area, and uh, and I because they do great work. Well, tell <laughs> me about that.
1: Why should we support a community theater?
0: well I think like anything if you look at any civilization culture is what uh, lingers beyond everything else if you go to as a for instance if you go to Pompeii you can't tell me what store was on the corner of venice Street and and Rome Avenue or something but you can you see art artwork is everywhere and all sorts of different kinds of art and what what lasts is the culture and and we have a art reflects life as they say and and we have a a vibrant uh, culture in our country, and and there's a lot of uh, theater that re- reflects that. And in addition to that, when you know when you're feeling good, it helps you feel better, and when you're feeling down, it helps you feel good. So uh, you can laugh, you can cry, and and uh, you can uh, it can be provocative, and you, it, it creates thought. So there are all sorts of things that I think um, theater, music, art, uh, fine art do for the the human spirit your soul and and certainly is a
1: way to communicate in a different sort of way record history in a way that people will listen to and um for example i'm a big fan of the king and i south pacific um, uh rogers and hammerstein yeah yeah. those are my two big shows and there are a lot of others out there but that tells a lot about the times when we were back then,
0: well, and if you take that a step further, Stephen Sondheim, who is one of the the great uh, composers and and uh, song or uh, lyricists for musical theater in the 20th century and on into the 21st century, his next door neighbor and and mentor and father like figure was Oscar Hammerstein. Hmm. So he learned from one of the best, and he took it in a, in a different direction. Uh, but you know, he worked with. Leonard Bernstein and Jerome Robbins on West Side Story and wrote the lyrics there and then from then from that he's done so many things the most recent that was made into a film was Into the Woods. Yeah, and uh, Dick Van Dyke is a huge huge hero for me. Oh, is that right? In terms of uh the work that he's done over the years. Mm. And for a lot of different reasons, too. Well, so many. I had the the really uh great fortune to work with Dustin Hoffman, who's one of my acting heroes and you know, Dustin comes from a theatrical background and I met him the first time when he was doing, uh, I believe it was uh, Merchant of Venice on Broadway, and I was working in the theater right next door. And uh, a friend of mine arranged an introduction because he knew I, I really liked Dustin, who was just a fabulous uh, person. And then I got to work with him on a movie uh, called uh, Sleepers a number of years later. And what a pleasure. I mean, I, you know, sometimes you you worry because you think, I think this person's work is great and I hope I like them when I meet them. And sometimes and you go, yeah, you I wonder don't. what are
1: they like because yeah. they're
0: actors. You really don't right. know whether,
1: whether you're seeing them or you, not. You've
0: imbued them with these qualities that you've right. seen on the screen, but uh, it's not always true. But in Dustin's case, he was just charming and uh, he's certainly bright and uh, just a really, really nice man. Did some wonderfully nice things on that particular movie and he was only on it for a couple weeks, but so, you know, th- those are the things that I- I've had the good fortune to do. But I'm also passionate about what I do. I, I love what I do. I love helping uh, businesses of any type, and particularly the-, the nonprofit organizations, to succeed and to increase their ability to achieve. Uh, that, to me, is um, it- it's just a fabulous feeling when you're able to, to help them. And they, like I say, there are two and a half million of them and they all do great things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the market kind of bears that out. But, yeah, uh, we're a lot more Americans are a lot more benevolent than
1: sometimes we give ourselves credit for. Absolutely. I mean, I often think I would like to think it uh, goes so far as to say that uh, if for whatever reason, we just cut off uh, all kinds of government assistance. To me, we'd fill the void somehow, some way.
0: Well, you know, you look at um, Baton Rouge recently, and I'm a huge college football freak. And so uh, there were reports about the University of South Carolina putting together this uh, huge 18-wheeler full of food and water and everything else to send to Baton Rouge. And, of course, LSU had done that for South Carolina uh, a year the, ago, I believe it was. During
1: the hurricane? What, yeah, what
0: the, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And, and um, you know, that's the American spirit. And um, it, it's a really fantastic thing. Churches certainly do uh, an, an exorbitant amount of that. But it's not just churches. They're, and, of course, churches support a lot of nonprofits as well, food banks and other uh, such. But it's not just them it's it's a it's just the american spirit people want to help well listen it's been a real pleasure speaking with you well the pleasure has been mine i thank you for giving me this opportunity i can
1: tell that you're passionate about it and um as we say on this show passion is everything so we'll do this again that's
0: fantastic i'd love to
1: man maybe you ought to sit down and write a book or something man
0: well i'm in the process i I actually i actually have an ebook on my uh website strategistics.com and that's strategy is the word followed by s-t-i-x so it's s-t-r-a-t-e-g-y-s-t-i-x but listen
1: to this strategistics
0: strategistics you are on it man
1: you got to remember to say the e as
0: an uh that's right
1: well if you get the E as an, uh, then you're there Then
0: you're good. All right. And, and they can download that for free. Good. So, okay. Um, uh, I appreciate this. Uh, and it's a pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Well, listen, everybody, that's our show
1: has been a good talk. I think we, we don't know that much about not for profits, but I think this has been helpful, very large industry. You got to run them like a business, but from what I've heard from Dan, you got to run your small business, like a not for profit but a lot of good things we we talked about today. So that's our show for today. This has been On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. On the Money is presented by Embassy National Bank. Be sure to follow us at Twitter at on underscore the underscore money and then the number one. And you can listen to any of our shows by going out to onthemoney.businessradiox.com And I think we've got over 70 shows out there now. So a lot of good stuff. And I understand people will spend 15, 20 minutes at a time on a particular show. So I think a small business person can really get a flavor as to how things ought to work around a lot of different things by going out there and and listening to our shows. Um, And you can watch our shows now at Business Radio X Gwinnett YouTube channel. Um, So until next time, I'm Joe Moss with Embassy National Bank. And please remember, be careful out there. Leave fear in the back seat. And then this is the one that we've put together, Dan. We say stay authentic, i.e. be true to yourself, but also be passionate uh, because passion does sell. And everybody, we all need a little bit more passion in the world. So until next time. This is Joe Moss on the money, and we'll talk to you soon.